The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 102nd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by the author of Total Patriots and team historian, Bob Hildberg. And after that, we will hear from our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of this week, uh, being based here in Boston, is a... No-brainer. It was, of course, the historic Boston Bruins comeback on Monday night in Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Absolutely riveting, and the city is still all abuzz over the events of Monday night. It was just incredible. Uh, Bottom line, the Bruins became the first team in NHL history to come back from a three-goal deficit in Game 7 in the third period. They were down 4-1, to looking lifeless with about 11 minutes to go in the third period of Game 7. So it pretty much looked like it was over. And uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I started channel surfing a little bit, uh, even though I was still DVRing. And, you know, went over to the uh, Capitals-Rangers seventh game. Fortunately, that was already a blowout. I think it was 3 nothing at that point, so no interest there. Then I switched over to the Chicago Bulls-Miami Heat playoff game. Absolute blowout by the Heat. So no interest there. So uh, with nothing better to watch, you know, I figured I'd just switch back to the Bruins for the uh, – you know, for the postmortems, i.e., this championship team of less than two years ago was probably going to be broken up. The coach was probably going to be fired, and that's what everybody was thinking about. Trust me, everybody. And then it all just changed in a heartbeat. Nathan Horton scored a goal with about 11 minutes to go. It's 4-2, and you're thinking, okay, well, I, what I was thinking was, all right, well, at least stick with it here. 
you know, they, they show they're not completely dead. There's, there's a pulse. And then they did just something I don't ever remember seeing, which is, you know, got down to uh, about two minutes to go, pulled their goalie down two goals, and scored one, Milan Lucic, to bring it within one goal. Goalie still pulled about 22 seconds later. Patrice Bergeron scores the time goal, and there's just absolute pandemonium and complete disbelief by everybody. Uh, you know, the, the big phrase going around up here this week is, uh, I don't believe what I just saw, i.e. Vin Scully about Kirk Gibson's home run back in, uh, uh, back in the day. Then uh, the Bruins could have won it, literally and shockingly, uh, in regulation, because Rich Peverly had just a point-blank, wide-open shot with about 12 seconds to go. Uh, just couldn't find the handle, so they went to overtime. And uh, from talking to people who were there, uh, they, they just said nobody even sat the entire break between regulation and overtime. Supposedly just electric, just nonstop music and pumping up the crowd. And apparently it was like the greatest between periods ever in the Boston Garden, old or new. And then uh, you all know the rest of the story. Patrice Bergeron, Mr. May, as he will now be known, uh, come out and uh, came in on a backdoor play. The goalie made a save for Toronto. Guy didn't really clear it properly. Bergeron was right there, rifled a shot from an in tight. uh, Game over. And they just went absolutely crazy. It was just some of the great film video you'd ever see of uh, the team celebrating. And so just a remarkable, remarkable sports event, transcendent, uh, one of the transcendent sports moments in, in Boston sports history. And, you know, we had our share, good and bad. But, uh, you know, given in, in the wake of the marathon bombings, it was just such a lift for the city to just really kind of get their minds off things for only a night. Um, and the Bruins, you know, just showed the heart of a champion. Uh, you just got to give them all the credit in the world, no matter what happens from here on in. They gave us a moment, all Boston residents, sports fans. They gave a moment that uh, will be just remembered forever. The, the audio from it, radio and TV, are already instant classics up here. Uh, especially the radio where uh, uh, the Bruins announcer just said Bergeron, Bergeron twice, just a classic call. And uh, speaking of Bergeron, he came through again last night, uh, made an absolutely spectacular pass in game one against the Rangers in overtime to Brad Marchand, who uh, put in the game winner. So Bergeron, again, Mr. May, he's just doing it all. As you know, I was in the Bruins locker room at the beginning of the postseason, right before they started in against Toronto. And, uh, you know, I've been there for the last couple of years in the locker room on numerous occasions and uh, was among a group of media speaking with Bergeron a mere two and a half weeks ago. And he is just the most likable guy, class act, uh, and one heck of a player who actually was rebounding from some concussion issues. Uh, he's had a couple of them, and in recent weeks, uh, you know, has had more issues on the concussion front. So 
to see him come out of that, uh, you know, after really a very quiet end of the regular season is just really something special. So here we are on to round two against the New York Rangers. First time they played in a playoff series in 40 years. It's Boston, New York yet again. And it's going to be fun. And last night got off to a great start with an overtime game. So, uh, sticking with just hockey and highlights, uh, happened to stay up and watch the Kings, LA Kings defending champion, uh, storm back last night. There was a couple penalties called. They're down a goal. And in 22 seconds, they scored two goals to win the game against San Jose Sharks all under two minutes to go. It was unbelievable. Uh, you know, if it's not for Game 7, come back by the Bruins. It's one of the better hockey highlights I've seen in an age. But not this week. Not the best this week, that's for sure. Uh, so, it was just, again, Stanley Cup playoffs, just nothing like it. Best thing in sports, and they're really uh, stepping it up a level. We have other, you know, other great series as well with the uh, Penguins in Ottawa and... Uh, of course, a classic, the Red Wings and the uh, Blackhawks. So it's going to be good stuff. Well, my low light of the week is Patriot Rob Gronkowski's fourth surgery on his forearm being confirmed uh, just really yesterday and this morning, breaking news. Uh, Gronk is a transcendent sports figure up here in Boston. I mean, I can't remember too many players bursting on the scene like this guy has, both for his outstanding play and his uh, great personality, shall we say. So, very, very disconcerting. Uh, there, you know, there's issues with an infection and, uh, and you know, getting the plate right. So, again, very, very bothersome. And now we're nearing a point where, we'll, where you have to wonder if he's going to be ready for training camp. And you have to wonder... You know, where his career is, is headed. This is, again, fourth surgery uh, since December. That is bothersome. My bizarre story of the week is uh, the dust-up at the Players' Championship between Tiger and Sergio. Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you like a good golf fight, I guess. Uh, you know, it, I, I think... Everybody's kind of assumed they're not the best of friends. Uh, but, you, you know, this was some good stuff where Sergio just said he, you know, just didn't really like him and didn't want to play with him. And Tiger basically said Sergio's a complainer and just good stuff. Not something you see too often on the golf tour. Uh, so I just thought it had a lot of spice, mainly because it's Tiger Woods. If he's involved, it's news. Sergio, uh, you know, I'll say this. Uh, when the USA played World Cup champions Spain up here at Gillette Stadium a couple years ago, I covered a couple of the practices, including one where Sergio, who was in town that week for the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship, practiced with the Spain World Cup champion right uh, behind Gillette Stadium where the Patriots hold training camp, and spoke with the media afterwards. And number one, he was a good soccer player. I mean, he held his own. I'll never forget it. I mean, if you walked in, had no idea who he was, and just thought you were watching the Spain team practice, you would not have picked out Sergio as a guy who didn't belong. Number two, he was just fantastic that day with the media. 
and later on that week with the golf, you know, at the golf tournament with the media. So I've actually always been, you know, somewhat of a Sergio fan and uh, I'm not really coming down one way or the other on this, you know, golf fight between he and Tiger from last weekend. But I'm just simply saying I liked what I saw of Sergio two years ago up here in, uh, up here in Boston. So, uh, some other great stuff, just real quickly, before we go to our break. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, impressive victory last night, draining threes in the fourth quarter when it mattered most. Golden State Warriors, a team to watch. Steph Curry, just absolutely fantastic. You know, and for my money, the most interesting player in the NBA to watch. Most exciting, but I love a good shooter. Kevin Durant, uh... Just absolutely worn out at the end of every single one of these games, all four losses. He was just cooked. Uh, For the first time since watching his NBA career when he was taking a shot in the fourth quarter, uh, I wasn't expecting him to make it. Whereas every time previous to this week, I expected him to make basically every shot he took. Last person I can say that about really was Kevin McHale with the Celtics. Uh, He just seemed automatic. And lastly... uh, Chicago Bulls, they went down 4-1 to the Miami Heat, but I give them a lot of credit in fighting to the end. They were down by a lot real early. I mean, Miami really jumped them big time in Game 5 the other night, and I basically said, that's it. And lo and behold, looped back you know, a little bit later, and the game was like tied, and they just took it right to the end. Uh, so all credit to Chicago Bulls. Coach Tom Thibodeau, former assistant to Doc Rivers up here in Boston, just a great coach. I mean, there's a guy who puts together a team and a system that can play no matter who's playing or not playing, i.e. Derrick Rose. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be author of the book Total Patriots and team historian Bob Hildberg. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. 
Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners. Welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us now is the author of the book, Total Patriots, and team historian, Bob Hildberg. And Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, well, you've been on the show a few times in the past, and we're certainly glad to have you on again. Uh, as always in Patriot Nation, there's lots going on. I mean, this week is uh, organized team activities, yep. but that has been overshadowed by news that came out late last night, certainly confirmed this morning that Rob Gronkowski is going to have a fourth surgery on his uh, on his forearm broken in December, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I've seen your picture uh, with Gronk uh, on, on one of your many media outlets, so uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts to share with our listeners. Yeah, well, it, it's good that the infection is, is cleared up. That was one of the things they were worried about, whether or not they were <clears throat> able to go in and fix what they need to fix, but having the infection clear up and the antibiotics and all that, so that's good, but... Yeah, I met uh, Gronk in, actually in Winchester. He was talking to uh, the uh, high school over there and uh, telling him about, you know, listen to your parents and eat right and exercise and play all the sports and, and uh, you know, take school serious and uh, just enjoy life, you know. And he was laughing and, uh, you know, just telling stories about his brothers beating him up when he was 14 and 16 years old. And his mother just said, you know, you guys work it out, you know. Right. Uh, I don't want to see, if it's a broken bone, you know, come and see me, but blood, you guys take care of it, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So. Right, call, call me if you need an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, right, yeah, I, I, I know that uh, uh, parental attitude, and uh, <laughs> I, I actually think it's a good one. Um, yeah, well, I'm very partial to Gronk, uh, you know, given that he played some high school ball down in Pittsburgh, uh, where I'm from, western Pennsylvania, uh, so I'm sure he learned a lot down there. Uh, they know their, we certainly know our high school football down that way, but obviously he spent a large part of his time growing up in Buffalo. I believe his family and brothers and all that are still based there. And, uh, you know, it's hard to explain to people not from Boston. Uh, I mean, he gets a lot of national coverage, certainly on ESPN and whatnot, but he has really taken this city by storm since he burst onto the scene a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he has set league records for, you know, 
Rece- touchdown receptions by a tight end, I believe. I think he has the all-time record. Was it 17, maybe? He does, yeah. 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 Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he again, you know, you have to go back to almost kind of like, you know, Freddie Lynn and Jim Rice bursting on the scene in the mid-'70s with the Red Sox or, you know. He's on that level, you know, especially because he kind of, I think, was helped by, you know, his sidekick being drafted at the same time, Aaron Hernandez, it changed the entire Patriots game plan and sure. approach and offense. But, you know, they're quite a pair, but Gronk is just, again, he's a fabulous personality. I've, you know, been, you know, part of media groups interviewing him on a couple of occasions. He's very likable when you're standing right in front of him. Yeah. You got to love the guy. Yeah, his big smile on his face and how can I yep. help you and, you know, and what do you need to know and, you know, I'll just lay it out there. Absolutely. He is, yeah, and uh, I, I frankly, I think Belichick, you know, uh, said it perfectly about him when he said, Gronk never has a bad day, which is probably about the highest compliment you can pay to anybody. It really is. It's a great attitude, absolutely. Yep. It is, and it's just true. So here's hoping that, you know, they get this cleared up. I guess it's going to be done by a surgeon at, uh, at Mass General. Yeah, sometime next week, I guess, right? Exactly, exactly. Yep. And, uh, yeah, again, just really, you know, uh, pretty cur- crazy. So, apparently, Info Network says the surgeon is Jesse Jupiter, again, Mass General. So, uh, it's a specialty, so let's hope he gets this, you know, figured out once and for all, because uh, we need Gronk back on the field. We, Boston, and... Oh, the NFL. NFL in the NFL, And then sure. the playoffs, too. I mean, we had, for one or two of those games, healthy. Um, could have been a different out- outcome, certainly. Absolutely. The last two years. Yep. I.e., the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, last year's game, obviously, against the Ravens in the AFC Championship. So, what, anything else happening in Patriots Nation? They're active, as always. Got a couple, you know defensive lineman this week who, you know, really logged some serious playing time last week in, uh, you know, Kyle Love and Brandon Dietrich, both gone this week during OTAs. Yeah. Uh, well, never a dull moment with those guys. That's, with the defensive line, and you're going to see that a lot with the defensive backfield, too. They're going to bring guys in and out all time, uh, especially during the season, too. So uh, those guys get rotated in and, uh, you know, not so much just another guy, but you know, you got to have depth. You got to have a bunch of guys, and they got to be healthy, and uh, they got to do what they have to do for their job. So, he's brought some guys in, and I wouldn't be surprised that he brings a few more in over the next month or two. Yes, yes, never any shortage of that. Been a little surprised, uh, you know, that with some of the, you know, the Patriots are obviously always on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl. They always seem quote a player away, and you know. And defense is the issue. We all know that up here. And uh, I've been a little surprised that people like, you know, Charles Woodson and Dwight Freeney, uh, you know, John Abraham, who I believe they brought in. I'm not sure. Uh, None of these guys are signed because, you know, again, when when you're close to this team and living in the Boston area, every time you see one of these guys meaning a big name, especially one who maybe has been a champion, i.e. Freeney or Woodson, you instantly say, oh, the Patriots got to sign him. That's just the way it is up here in Boston, right? Exactly, yeah. 
But well, there's two sides of it too. You know, it's the money, it's the uh, how much they play, and what type of scheme they play, and and do they want to play? I would think that you know everyone would want to play for Belichick. Uh, and oh yeah, certainly play on Brady's team. You know, I don't know why oh, yeah. they wouldn't. Um, but yeah, the tough tough to call as to how much. I mean, that's the whole thing. But Wells Welker, you know, did the Patriots really want him? Uh, you know, there's different rumblings. You know, maybe they just didn't want him for another couple more years, as much as he's done in the past. So, well, I'm glad you said that because my opinion on that one is just crystal clear. It really is, and it's just simply they didn't want him. Yeah. They had two, if not three, years to get this contract done, and you know, Welker did everything he could. You know, as far as he even gave up sort of his leverage a couple of years ago, and they they didn't want him. It's just that simple. I, I, yep. And I'm always amazed up here in Boston as passionate, you know, and it's what makes Boston, Boston, you know, such a passionate sports city is, you know, people were surprised on that one. That was the most predictable outcome to any player transaction that I've seen in any sport, in any Boston team in years. Right. It was just, and and I not only don't blame Welker, I totally commend him for basically taking the first offer he could that was more money. And just signing, especially when it's, you know, with the Broncos and Peyton Manning. I mean, just a no-brainer if you're exactly. Welker, really. So, well, again. Mostly, mostly the women that were sad to see him go. But, you know, once they true. get a hold of this Amendola and uh, see what yep. he does, and he's a younger, cute guy, uh, you know, yep. they'll, they'll love him too, you know. That's true. He was a very big uh, favorite of females up here, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, a lot of whom would wear mustaches to the games at times when yeah, remember that? Walker yeah. was oh yeah, when Walker was sporting a mustache. Not that long ago. I mean that's certainly cool. I saw some of that I believe this past season. Uh well speaking of Boston sports and uh you are certainly an authority on that, uh you, you go well beyond just the Patriots. Uh the Bruins, Monday night, history. I mean, what what were your thoughts watching that game? Well, uh, I mean, we got the history of, you know, the Red Sox coming back and beating the Yankees four straight. And, uh, yes. you know, we got uh, different things that we've done. And, you know, it, it's snowball. Four to one is 10 minutes to go. And, and it's never happened before. And I'm glad we did it. You know, and now we're on the scoreboard of coming back uh, in the seventh game and, and doing what we did. Uh, place was incredible. I wasn't at the game, but I got friends of mine that were. And then just, they were kind of. Uh, brought up that it was very similar to the uh, snowball game, uh, the last game at uh, uh, the old old Patriot Stadium, stadium, uh, which I I was at, by the way. I was there. That you're like, oh, it's over. You know, there's no way, you know. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe there's a chance, you know. Maybe there's a chance. And then, you know, you go into overtime and we beat Oakland. Uh, It was kind of one of those, you know, 4-2, 4-3, 4-4. to and then you beside yourself, uh, and then they win in overtime to really clinch it. So, uh, one of the more spectacular and gut-wrenching kind of performances uh, by a lot of players, including um, uh, Milan Lucic. You know? Oh yeah, um, he, he absolutely put the team on his back when he scored yeah. the third goal to put him down four-three, down one, less than two minutes to go. Goalie pulled, and boy, he had a look on his face. Like, you know, this this ain't over. But, you know, prior to that goal, he had put the team on his back for at least the last half of the third period. And yep. uh, and it was great where he later said, you know, that he, what he was thinking about, 
during the third period was that this championship team of two years ago was going to be broken up. And that, that's what apparently got him going. But, you know, I'm glad you used the snowball analogy because that's exactly what I thought of the minute it ended. Um, and the reason was, you know, I was at that game, the snowball, and uh, like, this, like this game on Monday with Bergeron, the regulation part, the tying part, was actually, in my mind, and I'm sure many people would debate this, but, you know, I was at the snowball, so, you know, I can offer my own opinion. Right. That was more exciting than the actual victory. As great as the victory is, and you're satisfied, and you know it's over, right. both Vinatieri's kick to tie it, greatest kick in NFL history, and yep. you know Bergeron's and Luch's, you know the Bruins' two goals to tie it and send them each game into overtime, was to me the moment that I remember in both games, as opposed to the overtime game winners in each of those games. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 They both seemed impossible tasks. Put yep. it that way. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Boston sports. It's the gift that keeps on giving up here in Boston. <laughs> you know, it really does. Yep. Uh, you, you know, when I just think back to these moments, you mentioned Red Sox, Yankees. I mean, that's the gold standard, period. Right. <laughs> you know, that just, I, I don't know that that could ever be equal. But I think the timing of this in the wake of the marathon bombings and just the unlikelihood of it happening and I, I think again like I quoted Vin Scully you know I think we all just went to bed and woke up thinking the same thing you know did you know I don't believe what I just saw and then right. you wake up the next day and say did I did that really happen last night that's really the themes that have been echoing through Boston this week well so, it, it continues yeah I mean this, this is a pretty exciting uh, tournament that we're having with the the Rangers, like you said, uh, last time in over 40 years we've played the Rangers, and you know we got the Jets and we got the Yankees, but uh, it'd be good to have this you know um, <clears throat> rivalry with the, the Rangers and, and put that back in perspective. You know? Absolutely, Bob. You know, I, I mean, and last night got off, got the series off to a heck of a start. Bergeron does it again with a fabulous pass to Marshawn to win it in overtime, and. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, you throw in the, the Celtics and Knicks, who, you know, it doesn't seem like they had played in a while either, just played each right. other in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, you know, you have, uh, yeah, that Boston-New York thing kind of rekindled in the winter sports, where we're just simply more used to it with Red Sox-Yankees and Patriots-Jets, and of course, sort of. Patriots-Giants, given the two Super Bowls. Yeah, right, well. <laughs> You're right. Sorry, I had to mention it. Didn't want to. Didn't want to. Yeah, and that just goes back to, you know, uh, an earlier statement I made in the show, which was simply, you know, we've had some fabulous stuff, but we've had our own little share of heartbreak. It's not all good, but it's all memorable. Yeah, well, that's what sports is. You know, any, anyone can win at any time, and you get one or two plays that can dominate, and if they do, you know, you, that's a blessing, you know? Exactly, exactly. Well, Bob, knowing you're the team historian, why don't we just close with this, uh, you, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he is now starting to, you know, he's already made a lot of history, but now he's just moving into sort of like historic career status, you know. Are we at a point now where we're just going to start to see him breaking, you know, all the Patriots records and probably a good share of the NFL records as well? Uh, well, he's 
he's done well. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever break, you know, Brett Fobbs records or, um, you know, some of the guys that, that throw thousands of uh, uh, touchdown passes and, and completions and all that kind of stuff. But as far as how efficient he is um, and how productive he is, certainly, you know, he's right up there, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. And uh, a couple more years, I mean, we just need one more Super Bowl to, to match Montana and and uh, Bradshaw. Um, but um, it's just an amazing sight, and the question is how long uh, is this going to continue? We got two years, we got three, or, you know, I don't, him playing to age 40, it's kind of highly unlikely, but uh, we'd like to see him continue that, and, uh, you know, we could get a, a decent defense, and we're going to see a little revamped offense this year, um, and I hope these tight ends uh, stay healthy. Uh, it could be another good run. We've got a pretty tough schedule, I think, this year, too. We do. We do. We have some great teams coming in. You know, Broncos, Steelers, plus the usual division foes. It's going to be fabulous. And, and the Saints uh, and the Falcons. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I, it's a great home season. As a season ticket holder, 20 yep. minutes from the stadium, I'm loving it. Yep. Can't get going soon enough. Well, let me close with actually one more question, which sure. is my premise has been without sounding greedy or like a spoiled Boston sports fan that, you know, they need one more uh, Patriots and Brady and Belichick need one more Super Bowl victory to really, you know, to, to really go down in the annals, shall we say. I mean, they're already practically there in many ways. They are, you can call them a dynasty, whatever, right. but to really, 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 <clears throat> Put the exclamation the point and on their saga. Spygate right. and all that other stuff that, you know. And yeah. Yes. Do you, I do, agree. You agree, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I've traveled, and you've noticed that I've traveled and, yes. and talked to people from, uh, you know, I've been out on the West Coast a little bit, but mostly here in the East Coast and all of New England, and that's one of the first things they haven't won since, you know, a Super Bowl since Spygate, you know, just to shut them up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bottom line, again. It will seem incomplete if yep. they don't win another one. There's just no other way to say it. And exactly. I'm sure there's sports fans in many cities would hear that statement and say, you know, and be appalled by it and think we're greedy. But, you know, for the Belichick-Brady legacy to be, again, complete, uh, they need one more. So hopefully this year, I mean, the good news is, you know, we go into every year expecting to win the championship. Or we know we're going to be in the hunt at minimum. And this year, same thing again. A few breaks here and there. I mean, look at yep. Baltimore. They came out of nowhere. You know, exactly. Year. You know? Exactly. Uh, and, you know, they got a, a freak win over the, the Broncos and then just rolled from there. You know? so. That's right. That's right. Oh, I know. I know. Yep. Those, are, those are the things that launch, launch dynasties, as we well know from, uh, from the uh, tuck roll, right? Yep, from, yep. From the snowball game. And back in the day from when I was in Pittsburgh, the Immaculate Reception. One play can literally launch a dynasty or, you know, a period of prosperity, we'll call it. The Ravens have had that, but yep. it looks like maybe they're going to go to the next level, although their team is obviously in transition. Anyway, Bob, thank you for calling in. Always great to get your perspective. It's, uh, and it's always good to talk football in May. You got it. <laughs> All right, Bob. Thanks again, and we'll have you on again uh, as we, the season draws near. Sounds like a plan. Thanks very Thanks, much. Bob.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. Hello, Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well, John. Thank you. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, Still reveling up here in the uh, Boston Bruins I'll say you know, comeback victory and last night. So the week of the week the Bruins have had uh, has a city on fire, and uh, so it's been a lot of fun. And you know, just never a dull moment. And uh, up here in New England, as you well know. Oh yeah, I, I you know they love that hockey in, in Beantown, and I remember being on the train years and years ago, and I'd see these young kids they're carrying their hockey sticks. Yes. Yes. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Hockey was not a part of it. Uh, you know, the Bru- the Penguins weren't even in existence when I was a young, young kid. So, you know, you, you, didn't, play, you didn't grow up playing hockey in Pennsylvania. It was all about football. <laughs> and so when I, got, when I moved up to Boston uh, years ago, I was stunned by the hockey culture up here and remain so to this day. Yeah, it's a fascinating game, especially in person. I think it's much better. Absolutely, it's it's without a doubt, you know, 
the sport with the greatest gap between watching it on TV and being there in person. Being there in person is, and I remember the first game I ever went to was a Bruins game back, uh, you know, back in the day, and it was stunning to watch. It was in the old garden, and it was just stunning to watch in person. I was just completely blown away, and I've enjoyed it very much ever since. I've been to two games, final regular season game of the year, and then game two against Toronto, and uh, again, it's spectacular in person. The speed is just amazing when you're sitting in the stands. Yeah, they're highly skilled on those those skates, and they're flying around, and you know it's a it's so fast, and you just have to pay attention and watch that puck, and make sure you can latch onto it with your eyeballs. It's amazing, you know. And the nicest thing, and you'll appreciate this, is you know, I've covered Bruins practices for the last couple of years, and uh, you know, I've interviewed these players, gotten to know some of them a little bit. David Krejci, in particular, who I met on a golf course, and uh, then. Followed up with some, you know, locker room interaction. And knowing you cover as many locker rooms as I do, hockey players are just the greatest to deal with. I mean, they're just so down to earth. Such normal guys, all from, you know, many of them from, like, Canadian farming backgrounds or whatever. So they are a joy to deal with, to say the least. I've heard that, I've heard that John, many times from people who cover NHL or um, hockey teams that those those guys are real friendly and and generous with their time and and but I wouldn't want to be on the ice with them. If they oh no, no, don't <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's not to say. And they're also obviously the toughest. That's the toughest guys around as well. I mean, you know, the way they just you know. Last night a guy got a puck in the face and he just like kept right on going. He, it's incredible. <laughs> it's just that's the norm. It's not even the exception anymore. But. Anyway, moving on to another tough sport. Uh, in the previous segment, talked a lot about uh, NFL football and the Patriots. Uh, always fun to talk, you know, football in May uh, as well as as well as the eleven other months. And uh, so, why don't we talk a little college football? I've been hearing some uh, some rumblings, if you will, and I know you uh, are on top of this subject. Uh, you know, about college football coaches and the new uh, upcoming playoff system. Yeah, John, the ACC coaches, they met this week in Amelia Island, Florida, and Duke uh, head football coach uh, David Cutcliffe was the lead chair, and he, he voiced uh, the, the opinion of all the coaches. They, they want their poll to be considered as part of the criteria, criteria the new selection committee will use to select the four playoff teams. Uh, you know, currently the BCS coaches, BCS coaches poll is like 59 coaches, but they wanted the entire FBS uh, uh, coaching clan to vote. I think it's like 125. So you kind of knock out those biases that sometimes at the end of the season, because the vote is transparent, you'll see these quirky votes. I mean, right. uh, you know, the final vote might have a team at 15 or something, and somebody votes that team, you know, one particular coach votes them at 30 or something like right. that. So you're kind of knocking off those things. But uh, how they would, how that would match up with the new um, selection committee, I don't know. Maybe they mean perhaps that for a team to be considered for the final four, they would have to be in the coaches' poll top eight, let's say, or top ten. Uh, but that's, that's the opinion they had coming out of the ACC meetings in Amelia Island, Florida. 
Um, my personal opinion about coaches and their poll, I, I just think that they don't have the time to be watching all those teams across the country. I mean, they study the teams on their schedule, but there's no way that they can devote the energy and emphasis like a selection committee member could to um, give you a, 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 an educational opinion that's of value, high value. That's correct. I mean, we all know, let's face it, any of us inside, you know, in the media or in any way on the inside of this industry knows full well what really happens is with these coaches' polls is basically the sports information director, the PR guy, shall we say, the coach just in, mo- in most, in many, if not most instances, the coach will just tell the PR guy to tell him who to vote for. That's how it works, right? Oh, that's how it works. Uh, probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a number like, let's say, 80%, maybe 80%. even higher. And then, yeah, that's exactly you know, the, the number the I had in mind, 80%. Yeah, and then, and then at the end of the season, maybe the coach is devoting his time because he's trying to make sure that maybe his team gets in the top 10 or 15, maybe there's a bonus involved, or he's trying to make his, his schedule look good, let's say. A couple of teams on his schedule, he wants to get them up in the top 15, top 10 to – make everyone realize what a great season he had because he beat those particular teams. So, you know, I, I just think coaches involved in the voting, I, I, I wouldn't, really wouldn't be in favor of that. Me either. I don't like it. There's just too many conflicts of interest, too many personalities, you know. So yeah, just sure. using examples, say a coach is in a game, you know, and the coach, the opposing coach, quote, runs up the score, you know, and then there's just lingering hard feelings, and, you know, that's kind of stuff carries over. So why don't we take a minute here, you know, and just I'd like to get your update on just where that process stands. By that, I mean, I know that the Bowl Selection Committee has chosen Arlington, Texas, as in Cowboy Stadium, Jer- Jerry's World, as they call it down that way, uh, as the site for the first national championship game under the new system, which will be January 2015. So, you know, knowing that that happened and, you know, I was reading about, you know, the story about all that and, you know, kind of, you know, what games are going to be where, Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, all that, Sugar Bowl, and, you know, uh, but but where where does the whole process stand? I mean, clearly if the coaches are making their play to be part of the selection process, it ain't done yet, right? No, it's not done. Uh, I was told that last week there were notices sent out to all the conferences to start nominating someone that they felt would be a viable option to be on the committee. Okay. And and that would be from the 10 FBS conferences in Notre Dame. Uh, Maybe they'll they'll probably be on that committee. And it would consist, let's say, 14 to 20 members. So the, the composition of the committee they favored was much like the basketball division one uh, system. You have maybe a commissioner, uh, athletic director, conference official. Those would be some of the people, you know, that, that type of uh, background will be on the selection committee, but it's still a long way from being done. And it, it's really a crucial part of the whole operation, John, because if you don't get the four correct teams, there's going to be some hooting and hollering from Maine to Florida and California and, you know, all over the Midwest and the Southeast. So 
it's really important to you know take your time, make sure you get the correct members on the committee that can give a you, you know the country four excellent teams. Yes, well, obviously the system is already just set up for tremendous controversy. I mean, picking four teams in football is a whole lot different than picking sixty-eight teams yeah. for <laughs> basketball. <laughs> to put a yeah, mile. John, if you get the 69th member wrong, there's a little uh, shouting from, from the gallery. But when you're talking about the fourth and fifth team and the sixth team, you know, being uh, someone that people don't value as being good enough to be in the playoff, it's going to be a nightmare for that committee. I mean, it'll, it'll go on for months. And they'll hear about it. Uh, And, and John, there's going to be some discussion. Even when you you select the team to be four instead of three, or three instead of four, that's going to be a big, big argument. Yeah. Who's number two? I mean, in in basketball, maybe you might object to some seating. You know, somebody's at a four, a three, but you you move on to the next week and you're playing. There's, what, a couple days, and you're, you're already into playing basketball. This thing, you're going to decide it in December. You're going to have, what, 30, 40 days to, to voice your objection, you know, across the media and your, your fan base. So it's much different than basketball when these decisions are going to be made. It's going to affect a lot of people. Oh, yeah, it is set up for controversy, but, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat that despite that, Thank goodness we're finally having it. You know, I mean that that's the main thing that you know. Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's finally I'm, arrived. I'm really excited about who's going to be on that committee. I just can't wait to see who they select. Uh, when's that going to be? Do you know? No, they they haven't come up with a with a uh, deadline. I think I, I would think it it have to be somewhere. Maybe they'll start floating those names maybe in the fall, because this is the last year of the BCS. And uh, people complain about the BCS, but I think it's going to be looked back on uh, as having done an excellent job, really. Because the whole essence of the BCS was to get the top two teams playing for the championship. And and I don't think there's been – they've been wrong many times. Correct. Um, Well, as, again, someone from Pennsylvania, you know, I mean – it's been a natural progression and the BCS was better than what was before, which was nothing. And, you know, again, growing up near Penn state, you know, they have a, a handful like as in five, I believe undefeated seasons where they weren't number one period. And that's it. And you know, there's nothing they could do about it. And those are the days when bowls, you know, when you won the big 10, you went to the Rose bowl and bowls were aligned and Penn state was sort of out there as an Eastern independent. So, you know, I'm certainly in favor of whatever system, you know, will work despite the, you know, inherent controversy that will come with it. But let me ask you this, uh, AP. I mean, obviously people were pretty underwhelmed with the name, which was pretty generic. What was it? College football playoffs? That's it, right. Sure college football playoff. Is that it? That's it. College football playoff. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I'm sure there'll be a sponsor name attached to that sooner I'm rather sure. than later. Um, I also found it interesting that number one, I thought I liked the choice of Cowboys Stadium because it's seats a hundred thousand. I was there for 
media day for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, the year the Steelers and the Packers played. It's a spectacular facility. And uh, what I found interesting, though, was the only other city that competed <clears throat> for that game in January 2015, the first ever <clears throat> college football playoff national championship, was the city of Tampa, which I love and was just there a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, just not the first city that would come to mind. And they've had Super Bowls down there, and they're fabulous, and I've loved them. And I'm a big fan of Tampa, but I was just surprised that they were the only other city to bid for it. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise to me. Uh, Like you say, Tampa, they're familiar with having Super Bowls, and there's no bigger event in America than the Super Bowl, I don't believe. So it was surprising. But maybe those other cities were satisfied to be to be part to be partnered with with the college football playoff you know the rose bowl sugar orange fiesta uh chick-fil-a is also in there in atlanta in the cotton bowl so i don't maybe that was their thinking maybe maybe they didn't they didn't want to be first i don't know maybe they and maybe dallas i mean arlington overwhelmed them with the bid yeah i i mean i'm glad to hear you found it interesting because you know what i also read that i think is actually going to carry some weight was you know, the committee who chose Texas had over-the-top praise for the Tampa bid. And, you know, to me, it just seemed like, all right, you know, and, and the Tampa guy even said this, almost a, sort of, we wanted, we wanted to get our foot in the door to show our interest, and apparently they submitted a great bid. The committee loved it, and to me, no matter what, it seems like they're going to get it into the the second one almost because they bid for the first. And again, great area. I mean, when you combine St. Pete Clearwater with Tampa, you have a spectacular, huge metropolitan area with obviously good weather in January. But that was my read on it. It just seems like, you know, you can almost go to the bank right now that Tampa, since they were the only other city to bid and they apparently submitted a spectacular bid, we'll get the second ever national championship game. But again, I, it just, uh, Tampa wouldn't be the city that it would first come to mind as like, you know, the place you'd hold it. I don't know. No, it wouldn't because the, there's no, you know, college team that plays there, although they do have right. bowl games there, but, right, but not but, the big bowls. That, 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 that's part of my thinking. And again, I'm not yeah. dissing Tampa. I love Tampa. <laughs> I used to live on the West coast of Florida. But, you know, it just seems like, uh, yeah, that's it. They don't have a college team that grabs you and they don't, you know, that's a national contender every year. And they don't uh, they don't have one of the big bowl games. I mean, that's the issue, I think. Yeah, I think so. That, that Chick-fil-A in Atlanta and the Cotton Bowl, they got, got into that. Those top tier four, the Orange, Sugar, Fiesta, and Rose. Yeah, Miami, New Orleans, L.A., slash Pasadena. Those are the big ones. And, you know, and then Dallas, Atlanta, I put on a bit of a second tier. And Phoenix, of course, Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, you know, down the road, I believe that they're going to have this thing that's wide open. And you could see this thing being played anywhere in America. They're going to open that bidding process just like the Super Bowl. And that would be quite interesting to have a national championship game in, you know, Minneapolis or something. I think they're building a new stadium or Indianapolis. 
in January. That would be uh, kind of different. Yeah, good point. The NCAA loves Indianapolis. They're headquartered there, and obviously Lucas Oil. They're now holding you know some pretty big events, college events there. And again, that's where the NCAA is headquartered. Um, well, it, again, it's going to be interesting. But let me just ask you this, just to your point. It, this bid they just had and just awarded to Texas, that was wide open for anybody too, right? I mean, anybody could have bid on it, correct? Yeah, anybody could have bid yeah. on it. And uh, I, I think Jerry Jones, he was bound and determined to get that first game. Oh, yeah. You know, he's got so much invested in that. Right. I, I call it the Palace in Dallas, but it's in Arlington. Yeah, there you course, go. But, Absolutely. No, Jerry Jones was on the record, I think, before it was awarded as saying, you know, he, he will do whatever it takes, i.e. move mountains. And I'm sure he did yeah. to just get that first one. I mean, he wants it. He wants to be the first ever. So, AP, as always, thank you. And uh, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.